If you would take your scriptures and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 41. Isaiah 41, we'll be reading verse 28 through chapter 42, verse 9. Isaiah 41, 28 through 42, 9. Would you give ear to the reading of God's word? For I looked, and there was no man. I looked among them. But there was no counselor who, when I asked of them, could answer a word. Indeed, they are all worthless. Their words are nothing. Their molded images are wind and confusion. Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, my elect one, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out, nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quince. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail nor be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastland shall wait for his law. Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth and that which comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another nor praise to carved images. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare before they spring forth. I tell you them. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you who have created the world and everything in it, you who sustain all life and redeem your people, we come before you to hear your words of life. In the shelter of your presence, you hide us from intrigues of men. In your dwelling, you keep us safe from accusing tongues. You're our hiding place and our shield. We hope in your word. Grant unto us this morning ears with which to hear your word and hearts that can understand it. Help us as we go forth from into the world to be able to take your truth. May it be a guide to us in everything we do. We ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen. What we have before us this morning is the celebration of the Lord's Supper. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, made a change in our world. For those who believed and trusted in him, the feast of Passover became communion. One of the most wonderful messages of this this celebration is that God stands fast and does not fail. We began reading in Isaiah 41, 28, because in verses 28 and 29, we see the utter failure of man and the hope he placed in himself. This shows when God looked down among men, he could find no one capable of giving advice, no one with an answer. Their works accomplished nothing. The things they trusted in were helpless and hopeless. You need to study the history of mankind to see their failed leadership. I can't help but think of our day. 
We are experiencing a real lack of a solid leadership, and I mean that in church, state, and business. We know as believers in God that in his own time, he will raise up a man who will possess the ability to restore peace to our land. The danger we face is taking such a man and putting him on a pedestal and making him our idol and forgetting he could never do such things without God. We are called, as chapter 42 begins, to recognize the servant of God, the one he delights in, the one on whom his spirit rests, the one who will bring justice to this world. This is the one all men will in the end focus their attention on. John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus approaching, told his disciples, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This one sent by God is the standard that will rule throughout the generations of this world. He will be the light, the light that will give the dark and foreboding times a hue of hope. He's the one your focus must be directed on. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. This is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What we learn here is when all other gods fail, this servant, this Savior, sent by the one and only true and living God, will stand fast and will not fail. You are called as a believer to behold Jesus as your Savior. You are not looking for him with your eyes. You're looking at him with faith. To see him with your eyes would gain you absolutely nothing. Those who saw him with their eyes nailed him to a tree. Faith is a more noble way to behold. Seeing him through faith allows you to experience the glory of the light he brings. This man is the fulfillment of all the promises of God. He is the proof of God. He is the proof God never fails. If you are troubled by doubts and frightened by the darkness of your unbelief, here is the one who can raise your spirits to new heights. You can by faith look into the eyes of this one who's seated at the right hand of the Heavenly Father into the heart of the man appointed to save your soul. Our text is Isaiah 42, 1 through 9. Verse 4 says, He will not fail nor be discouraged. How is it that he will stand and not fail? What is he taking on that he will not be discouraged in? It goes on to say his works will not end till he has established justice in the earth. The results will be that the coastlands shall wait for his law. The NIV translates this, in his law, the islands will put their hope. The idea is, it's the extremes of the the world. He will be there. He is coming to bring law and order to this sinful world, to all of this world, to every minute sliver of the land. God sent Jesus Christ into this world to save his chosen ones. He will save every one of them. Jesus himself said he will lose none that the Father gives him. He will not fail nor be discouraged. He will see the work he was called to and will be satisfied in his soul. We know there will be a second coming of our Lord. We know that because that's one of the things pictured for us on this table. We're looking forward to the coming of our Lord. 
We have no idea when that second coming will be. There are all kinds of ideas coming forth from the imaginations of men. We need to close our eyes to such. We need to focus our attention on what God has called us to do in order to be ready for his return. Many people want to divert your attention from what God called you to do. They want you to focus your time and energy on what the future holds. I have no time for such worthless endeavors. I want to focus on this servant of God and what he's called me to do. Preach the gospel. If the church is to be viable, it must do the same thing. The future is in front of us. The past is behind us. The present is what we have. Let, me, let it be understood. Whatever God decrees will be done. Jesus is God come in the flesh, and he knows. He knows what has been decreed, and he will not stop until that work is finished. He will not fail. He will not be discouraged. Consider what God has already done. Look at this table. What does it represent? Is it just his death? If he died and that's all there is, then we are the most pitied of all people. Will we be lost? Yes, if he hasn't done anything but die. But God does not fail. What Jesus started, he will finish. Therefore, there is more to come. He will complete every promise made in the pages of Scripture. He will accomplish every requirement of the law. He will satisfy every purpose of love in the gospel. There is one more thing you need to consider as you begin to look at this passage. Jesus will stand fast. He will persevere. That also means all the saints will persevere. This table represents that perseverance. This table shows that the church of God will live forever. What I want to do today is speak to you about the hope we have in Jesus Christ. I pray this will cause you to burn in your heart to serve your God. That it will fill you with courage to face life in a way that never looks back but always forward to the light of heaven. First, we want to consider and believe. Then, we need to believe and enjoy. There can be little doubt in the hearts of true believers that they face a hard battle in this life. Don't ever let anybody tell you the Christian walk is easy. Therefore, you need to take the truth of your gospel and consider and believe it. You must do this if you are to live in the enjoyment of God's presence. You need to take this gospel. You need to put effort into thinking about it about all of the implications it brings to the lives of believers. I know nothing else will open to you such marvelous things as this gospel and what it did in saving your soul. Your Lord, through this gospel, has saved untold numbers of people across the ages. Is that not a marvelous work beyond your imagination? He took the darkness that settled on mankind through sin and brought light to the hearts of so many. God designed a work in Christ Jesus that ended the enmity between God and man. 
He reconciled to himself his people. God, through his only begotten Son, redeemed the world from a terrible bondage of corruption. Jesus Christ has engaged and completed some amazing wonders, and he will yet do even more. He he died to lay this foundation. He lives to build this kingdom. He holds supremacy to draw all nations to it. This table gives a reminder of all your Lord did and how marvelous his works are and will ever be. Jesus has cleansed this kingdom and is working to cleanse this world. It's an amazing fact that the river of life runs through the vilest pollution mankind can generate. The system of evil built men by men is, is staggering. It's unbelievable. The wickedness that comes from the human imagination is colossal. The grip evil has on mankind is beyond help. Man cannot cure himself of such evil. God's word declares of mankind they are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. No, not one. You can prove to a man that he's evil. You can prove that his ways are injurious to himself and to others. But he will only use his perverted logic to deny its truth. That logic will call darkness light and light darkness. His conscience will be darkened and his heart hardened. Even if you can show him a judgment, you will not win his affection. You will not convince his will. You will not subdue his mind. The only one, there's only one thing that can change the heart of a man. And that's the omnipotent power of God. The intelligence of man will never find a way through the darkness of this evil. The religious religions of men will not guide anyone to safety in heaven because they're all founded in the perverted logic of man. Look at this wonderful mountain of grace that Jesus Christ has wrought into this world. Daniel said, a giant stone will be cut without hands from the mountains. That stone would crush all the false images of the nations of this world. That stone is the kingdom of God. Daniel also saw in a dream the Son of Man taking dominion over this world. He shone his glory, building his kingdom, which was the giant stone calling his people to come and serve him. Here on this table. All of this is clearly represented. The body of Christ is called to carry on this work he started. You, as a member of his body, are to do this through the church on this earth. Now understand, the church is weak because it's made up of men. It is a poor vessel and it has many, many faults. But the one who leads and carries the banner will ever stand firm and never fail. You as a member of the church must always rally to the banner of your Lord. This one who leads will never surrender to his enemies. He will stand against all wickedness and you derive your courage and strength from him. So when you fail, look not to your own heart, but to his. For it's there alone that you will find what you need to continue. You will fall and retreat, 
but he never will, nor will he ever be discouraged. This is a truth all Christians need to believe. You can see this in verse 1. Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, my elect one, and whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. This is God's servant. This is the one he sent to do his work on behalf of men. This is the one God sends, and he comes by decree of the sovereign Lord Almighty, and he will stand fast, and he will not fail. This is the one that trusts God to do for you, for his people, what they could never do for themselves. He comes to live the perfect life, to die the atoning death, and to win the resurrection victory. He did everything the law required for sinful men to be restored to a life with their heavenly father. This one is the chief delight of the father in heaven. What he does has merit before God. There is no other like him. He is the only begotten Son of God. He alone is the well-pleasing one before God. He has taken on this work of redemption, and he will stand fast in it and never fail. He will finish, and everyone God has called will be saved. God does goes on to say of his Son, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. This tells you that the Holy Spirit is in this one. He will be successful because he comes by the decree of God. He will bring down judgment on the Gentile nations, or as he calls them in verse 4 in the NIV, the islands. God has declared that justice will come to all. No one, no one will fail to be judged by Jesus Christ. Now you think about that. That's a sobering thought. Those who refuse to acknowledge him themselves as sent themselves as sinners and him as their Lord will be condemned to hell for eternity. Now, I don't care if that upsets you. I hope it does. I hope it plants fear in your heart. So you will look to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those who see their sin and their need of a Savior, those who see Christ as their only Savior, They will be judged. They will be forgiven and allowed entry into heaven, that eternal place of peace and rest. One of the problems men run into all the time is not understanding how God works. Verse 2 declares, He will not cry out nor raise his voice nor cause his voice to be heard in the streets. Are men, are not men always in a hurry? Let's get it done. God is never in a hurry. Men want to make a great noise and stir things up. They want to shout and call attention to themselves. Now, doesn't that make you think of something that's been happening in our nation over the last several years? How about the Black Lives Matter and the Tifa riots? It's exactly what they're doing. They want to take on all their enemies at once and have one big battle. Men would shout and rage and rave. They think the victory is in their hands. Christianity does not hold what it has earned by pomp or force of arms. Do you understand that? It's not an army that's going to go out there and hold Christianity together. Christianity is to be spread by the work of individuals, speaking to the hearts of those that come across their path. 
Another important truth is the gentleness with which the system of your Lord will advance. Verse 3 says, A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flack he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. Christ was gentle himself. Therefore, his system will show forth that same gentleness. In the swamp, a reed can be broken but not completely separated. There's still life in it. Our Lord will not suffer that reed be completely removed. He will come to it and nurture it until it is fully recovered. He comes to a smoking flax, one that is, is just smoldering. The fire is long gone, but there is still heat and fuel there. So he will gently blow on it to rekindle the flame. He will work with the most despicable of men to generate life in them. He takes the hard hearts of unbelievers. He turns them by his grace into hearts of flesh. Our Lord is a gentle, quiet, peaceable man. He knows what he needs to do and is fixed on doing it, but without any haste at all. Verse 4 spells it out. He will not fail nor be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands shall wait for his law. Consider these things about your Lord. Open your ears and hear in your heart and believe. Christianity is a religion of faith and trust. Before you on this table is a visual testimony of the gentle and quiet work that brings this truth to life. You need to ponder on the truths that bring you to believe and enjoy because it's through a faithful consideration of these things that such a truth is established. What you need to do upon considering and believing is come to the place you believe and enjoy what these truths display. Open your ears and heart and let the word of God fill you with hope. Why should you come to this point in your life? Verse 5, Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth and that which comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it, and spirit to those who walk on it. One of the most important parts of this truth is found in the fact Jesus finished the work of redemption for his people. He did it all. It's complete. He came and completed this work. He purchased everlasting righteousness. He carried the penalty of human guilt. He laid the foundation of this new temple of God, the church of Jesus Christ. He did all of this, and he did it very well. In his life, he stood fast, and he never gave up. He came to the hour of his work's completion with the words, It is finished. He left absolutely nothing undone. He spent his life on this earth in the contradiction of sinners, in the weakness and poverty of men. He faced the cross in its terrible agony. In the midst of it, he committed himself to God. How different we are. We cry out in sorrow at the least discomfort and declare ourselves ready to give up. He never did this, not once. He considered all the toil and grief that would befall him. He foresaw it all. It was all prefigured into his calculations. 
He was never taken by surprise by anything that befell him. He made the decision freely, freely to take on your flesh, to suffer all of the indignities of men, to face death on the cross and burial in the grave, to carry your shame and the curse of your guilt. He even endured the darkness as God turned him back on him, turned his back on him. He set his heart on your redemption, and he did not lose any part of that purpose. He never turned aside. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you should open your mouth and praise him for his persevering love. There's no half-finished salvation here. Look at what the bloody cross, look at that bloody cross, and you will see his love displayed. There's nothing left unfinished in this. This cross is bare. The grave in which he was laid is empty. You look up and you see a risen Lord and you see your hope sitting beside the Father in heaven. He stood fast. He did not fail. He was never discouraged. He is established by his life, death, and resurrection, a new kingdom that will stand forever and will not fail. Come. Come rest in this peace guaranteed by his glorious work of salvation. It is in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone that we find our salvation. Place your hope and trust in him and in him only. Another important truth you must ever keep before you is Jesus will finish the work in you as his disciple. He will not give up on you. Isn't that wonderful? He will complete everything in you that will make you his. You know, all too well, if you, have ha- if you had to save yourself, that work would never be complete. You should know that whenever you have accomplished some great work, when you have overcome some terrible sin in your life, there's always another uh, sin raising its ugly head. You kill one dragon and there's two more to go. What happens when you depend on your own works? You become puffed up, not built up. It's when you feel like your efforts are all for naught that God could really begin to build you up because your focus moves from yourself to Jesus Christ. There's never any comfort in the works you do because any effort of your own is fleeting. God is a potter. You're the clay. God fashions you. He fashions you exactly like he wants you to be. He prepares you to handle whatever he gives you to do. What a marvel of his grace. His avowed purpose for each of you is to make you pure, holy, and blameless. You can be assured of this. Jesus will not fail. He knew to begin with how hard your hearts were. How sinful and self-centered you were. Yet he decreed. He would change your hearts forever, forgiving, bringing forgiveness of your sins, and he would redirect the focus of your lives. This is his covenant promise. To change you in every way, and he will not stop 
until that work is done and you are in heaven with him. He will also complete the work he has given to his church. There will be no let up in carrying forward this great work of his body. In verse 3, the psalmist spoke of bruised reeds and smoking flax. That's what God deals with every day. Because that's what we are. We have allowed sin to break us. And guilt to make us dim. I can assure you this. Your Lord is neither. He is not crushed and his light never dims. You look around today. It appears that Christianity across the world is dimming. It appears to be coming under more attacks as though it is being crushed. I tell you, it neither dims nor is crushed. The light of Jesus Christ shall never be dimmed. Anyone, anyone who has seen his light will tell you it is as bright as ever and it serves to rejuvenate the soul as strongly today as it ever did. The Sovereign Lord Almighty sent this word into the world, and it will never return to him void. You may be bruised and have only enough heat to generate a little smoke, but your Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. He will carry you, and you will come to heaven and be a part of his glorious kingdom for all of eternity. Because that is what he promised. That's what he promised when he sent his only begotten son into this world. And he will not fail. His church will prevail for eternity. The last truth that should bring praise from your heart. Is that for those who are lost in darkness. This gospel offers hope. Here on this table is that hope. Verses 6 and 7. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. The Lord shows his purpose in bringing out Christ. Many cannot see Christ. He came to be seen only by those the Father had given him. We don't know who is and who isn't. The church is to take the gospel to the whole world. It will draw from this sinful world everyone God calls. He will open their eyes and unstop their ears. They will see themselves as sinners in their need of a Savior. They will recognize Christ as the Savior sent by God the Father to do for them what they could never do. He will open the doors of the prisons of guilt and despair. He will work in the hearts of such prisoners and free them from the depression and fear of their sinful lives. Please, please understand what this table represents is salvation. Jesus Christ came and did all he did to rescue you from sin, Satan, and death. His purpose was to save you. To give you ears to hear and hearts to understand. To break the bars of your prison cell. To open to you a place of rest and peace with him for eternity. Look at this table. Look at what Jesus has done that you could never do for yourself. Here is where your believing turns into joy. Verse 8. 
I am the Lord, that is my name and my glory. I will not give to another nor my praise to carved images. Our Lord does not share his glory with another. The reason is because he is the one who made the heavens and earth and everything in them. He certainly does not give praise to any false idol made by the imaginations and hands of men. Verse 9, Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare. Therefore, before they spring forth, I tell you them. He makes a very, very important statement here. He tells you that all the former things have come to pass. This is the reference to the Old Testament and the law. Everything in the old dispensation is now completed. The new things are spoken of in the old times have fulfilled those old things and new things are set in their place. The seed of the woman from Genesis 3.15 is here. And everything has been made new in Christ. Now in conclusion, all things are possible through this one represented on this table before you. If you believe in him and all he has done, you will come into a great joy. All things are possible to you who believe when Christ is what you believe in. You may feel like you are at the bottom and life is completely worthless. You may have no hope whatsoever. What this table, what it pictures tells you is that Jesus Christ can be lifted to unbelievable heights. And he can lift you with him to those unbelievable heights. To the very pinnacle of life itself, eternal life with him. This is the only eternal hope. The only eternal hope any man can ever have. And it is a hope that will stand fast and will never fail. Let us pray. Father, you have told us Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. You have commissioned us as your people, saved by grace through Christ, to go into the whole world and make disciples in all nations. You instruct us to teach them your word and to help them to grow in grace and mercy. May you grant us the strength, courage, and wisdom to carry out this commission. May you give us protection from false prophets, ungodly principles, and self-promotions. May we ever place our hope and trust in Christ and follow him in all we do. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.